You're listening to Project Red Cord Chronicles, a podcast of the Renee Jones Empowerment Center. Due to the sensitive nature of today's podcast, and with respect to our guest and her story, the regular show intro will be omitted for a moment of dedicated silence. And now, your host, Renee Jones. Welcome to another episode of Project Rare Core Chronicles. I'd like to thank all the listeners who tuned in to our 10th episode and learned about the power of partnership and the benefits of providing hands-on experience and exposure for medical students through the Project Rare Core Night Owl Street Outreach efforts to our five communities that we serve. We hope you enjoyed that episode. We're so grateful for all our listeners and would like to remind you to like and subscribe to the Project Rare Core Chronicles podcast. Feel free to comment and share it with all your family and friends. Today, we are going to be speaking to a mom who will share with you a survivor parent's journey. I would like to welcome Carolyn Kinkoff to this episode of Project Rare Core Chronicles. Welcome, Carolyn. Thank you. We are so happy to have you here today. Uh, What I want to start off this podcast, I want you to share with our audience your journey as a mom of a human trafficking victim. I would love to. Thank you for having me, Ms. Renee. Uh, My daughter, Courtney, was a human trafficking victim. She had a very normal childhood with two loving parents who both worked. She went to private grade school, a private high school, and then transferred to the public high school when she started struggling uh, with ADHD around her junior year in high school. And then she had a partial scholarship to the Cleveland Institute of Art where she met a boy and started using drugs, uh, which led to her skipping class and a domestic violence uh, incident that we weren't aware of after she turned 18. That's important because it later contributed to um, her self-esteem and it made her more vulnerable and susceptible to grooming and victimization later in her adult life. She met an older man and started using heavier drugs and had her first um, psychiatric inpatient admission when she was around 23 years old um, and diagnosed with schizoaffective bipolar disorder with polysubstance use issues. It was at that initial hospitalization in a a well-known hospital here in Cleveland where she met a man who allegedly had mental health issues and uh, he facilitated her trafficking for many years until I realized he had groomed me, he had groomed our whole family. It doesn't just impact the victim and it impacts the parents, the siblings, um, extended family, grandparents, nieces, nephews, aunts, uncles, cousins, friends, and I obtained a temporary restraining order against him. Unfortunately, at that point in Courtney's life, she had had multiple hospitalizations. He had been at all of her inpatient visits, all of the ED um, hospital admissions, rehab admissions, and um He was never separated from her. He was the controlling man that nobody ever questioned because on the surface he seemed very kind and supportive and 
Courtney didn't have many friends, so he was her only friend. And it seemed to us and to the rest of the world that he had her best interest in mind. It wasn't until about 2018 when this man texted me and said, Courtney had accused him and other people of pimping her out in exchange for drugs. She had gone missing from a group home she was living in and was found on at 55th and St. Clair. I contacted the local police department and reported her missing from the group home. When her trafficker told me he picked her up in Cleveland, I called Cleveland police, but they needed to hear from local police in order to be able to help. And by that time, he had already returned her to the group home. This was one in a series of events that happened over several years in which Courtney would go missing. Um, he would transport her to get drugs, to exchange sex for drugs. Uh, they would party, and he compelled prostitution for several years until, like I said, I obtained a temporary protection order against him. And Courtney went missing after that and ended up with other traffickers. She traveled across the country she was transported from a group home here in Cleveland, a woman's shelter, rather. She was picked up by a truck driver and transported all the way to California and back to Michigan. Fortunately, the local police department this time reached out to the judge and understood that she had guardianship and was to be treated like a, a juvenile. They successfully recovered Courtney from Michigan, and she was able to get the medical treatment that we had sought for so many years uh, in order to get a forensic exam. That's when the uh, Northeast Ohio Regional Human Trafficking Task Force became involved with Courtney's case, and they have been supportive ever since. Unfortunately, um, the traffickers were always one step ahead of us, and when Courtney went missing again, this had happened several times, but when she went missing again in November of 2021, she never was recovered. She was found deceased in an abandoned apartment in Cleveland, Ohio, after being seen by three different law enforcement officers within two weeks' time. On Thursday in February, she asked a homicide detective for money without interdiction. Um, they didn't know what to do. They thought she was simply an adult living on her own, doing what she was doing, not in need of the assistance that she needed. And by Monday, she was dead. So I'm here today to tell this story, to let others know the impact that human trafficking has. Not only is it a, so a critical social justice issue, it's also a public health crisis. And not only do the victims need support, but the families and friends and community sometimes also needs support in order to help those victims. Absolutely. Well, <clears throat> Carolyn, we can't uh, thank you enough for sharing, because I know that it's hard to share all of this uh, information, but we are so grateful that you are willing to share and tell us the story, because it's important for other parents to know who may be experiencing this. Something that you said that really struck me was the grooming of the family. Um, uh, I want you to give a few examples of, because we know about the grooming of the victim, but this particular trafficker worked on the family as well. So could you share just a little bit about how he groomed the family? Absolutely. So 
when Courtney was first hospitalized and her father and I understood the severity of her mental illness and this man had befriended her, we were comforted in knowing that she met someone like her, somebody who drove, somebody who worked, somebody who um, was able to have fun with her and do things with her and introduced her to his mom. And then it got darker and he would, he at first would reach out and text me and say, I'm picking up your daughter or I'm with your daughter. And then it turned into when she went missing June 1st of 2019, she's with me. She doesn't want to talk to you. She doesn't want to come home. She went missing from my place when I went to do laundry. And that's when she ended up in Detroit, Michigan, the first time before she had traveled all the way to California and back. Um, she, he came to our house. He knew our dog. Um, he, he knew that we had a cat. He knew Courtney's interests, her likes, that she liked art. And when he texted me that he was going to become her pimp, he specifically said, I'm encouraging to do her art and have art shows. But in the background, he was telling me one thing, and he was telling her something completely different. He was giving her drugs. He was telling me that she asked him for drugs. Meanwhile, she, Courtney shared with me that he gave her some herbs that made her so violently ill that she was physically sick and ended up being admitted inpatient um, for medical reasons at, at the local hospital during this process. So those are just a few examples Um, He would stalk Courtney um, physically. He would also drive around, and I would see him in in locations where I was. For example, uh, a local shopping center. He lived in Cleveland. We lived on the east side. He would show up in the neighborhood where we lived. I suspected he was looking for Courtney, and he would find me if she had left the group home or gone somewhere else. Courtney shared with me that once she had a stable relationship with a boyfriend and this trafficker showed up at the window and basically threatened her and said, either come with me or I'm going to hurt him. So not um, there were also text messages found after the fact in social media in which one of her buyers shared that he knew this individual, this trafficker, and mentioned him by name and specifically asked her about their relationship And when Courtney said, how do you know him? He said, oh, we have some things in common. That can't be a coincidence. So unfortunately, I'm not sure if I mentioned it earlier, but the help is never proactive. The traffickers are always one step ahead of us. And then the resources aren't available for us to have wraparound services for these victims or to prevent this abuse from happening other than by raising awareness, which is why we're here and those are just some of the examples of the grooming that we experienced that we didn't realize at the time. Yes. Well, thank you for sharing that. That is very important information. I wanted to make sure that people understood what that meant. Um, I think that that was a lot of heavy. We're just going to take a little short break, okay? And then we'll be right back just to give a little moment um, to relax, and then we'll start the questioning again. All right, we're back. And again, Carolyn, thank you for sharing. And um, we just want to make sure to be sure that you're okay, because this is a lot to share. It's very important to share. And uh, we appreciate that. 
So we recently had a human trafficking awareness uh, event. Uh, January is Human Trafficking Awareness Month. And what we decided to do this year was have a forum. And you were a part of that forum along with several other speakers. We had a survivor, we had a nurse, and we had an educator because we wanted people to hear from a parent's point of view, from the medical point of view, from a public teacher's point of view, what they are seeing in the schools, and also from a survivor, um, because every survivor's experience is quite different. So can you tell us um, at that what was really powerful about the forum is that we were able to have an exhibit of your daughter's artwork. Courtney was an incredible artist. Uh, we did have a chance to work with Courtney for a short while here at the center, and um, but her work is was phenomenal. So we were grateful that you were able to bring pieces of her artwork. We literally had an exhibit of all of Courtney's, some of her major pieces on display for everyone to see. So I want you to share a little bit about what that event meant for you and having your daughter's artwork displayed. Well, Miss Renee, it was healing. Love never dies. And it was a gift. One of the pieces, I didn't realize it until I was preparing um, her artwork for the, for this exhibit. It's the first time we've we've ever done an exhibit of her art. Uh, she had one piece that she displayed in college that she won an award for. And as I mentioned, she went to the Cleveland Institute of Art, but we had never done an art show. And on the back of that piece, it said, Made with love, for in the end, we are only visiting. And it was such a gift because even though Courtney is no longer here physically, um, her spirit lives on, her memory lives on, and it was so touching to me. And I will forever be grateful when you asked me to have that art exhibit in her memory and said, you don't ever want anyone to forget her. And that's why I tell her story. So as a mom, it's very difficult the, the mom in me breaks down, I cry, I get sad. When I speak, when I teach, um, I just have moments where I get triggered. Uh, and then there are other times where I can wear my teacher hat or my, you know, my advocate hat, and I can be strong. So I think that's something else that I'd like to share with everyone is that it's, it is, this is very difficult work, and self-care is very important. And I think my, the most important part of the art show in the forum, apart from Courtney's memory living on, was the connection, the community connection, the connection between an advocate, a mother, um, a healthcare worker, an educator, and a survivor, and how wraparound services are needed in that communication. And we really do need to break those silos and cross across those different disciplines and have a different approach, a new outlook, and a way for prevention, um, to prevent victimization, to protect victims, to prosecute, and to hold the traffickers accountable and the buyers. So I learn something every time I attend a forum or a discussion or talk with somebody who specializes in this work. So I'm grateful that you pulled all of us together because, as usual, I did learn a lot that day as well. That's wonderful, and it was so wonderful to have you, and I know that there were parents in the audience uh, who have been struggling, who either have children that are victims of human trafficking or they're afraid that they're very vulnerable to becoming victims. So 
what they learned and hearing from you as a parent was very, very important, and as well as all the other panelists that we had. So we were very grateful. And then to be able to keep Courtney's memory alive um, is so powerful because love does go beyond the grave, and keeping your loved one's memory alive is wonderful. Um, getting to that, I want to share with the audience how you have turned something that was pretty tragic into purpose. And I want you to share some of the things that you're doing in my mind, I feel that are really super amazing. So can you share with our audience what you've, what you're doing uh, with regarding to human trafficking? Of course. So my passion is now teaching. Um, Everybody has a vulnerability. Uh, Anyone listening to this podcast, whether it's a man, a woman, hopefully not a child, although this is probably PG-13, but children are especially vulnerable. So two other women and I co-founded the Lake County Collaborative to End Human Trafficking. We each have a passion to eradicate human trafficking for different reasons. Mine clearly, my why, is my daughter Courtney. We came together around October of 2020, thanks to Sister Ann Victory, formerly of the Collaborative to End Human Trafficking. And she, we said, we need something in Lake County. Nothing is happening in Lake County, Ohio, regarding preventing human trafficking or raising awareness. So the three of us got together, and she said, you immediately need to engage your community. So we did. We had our very first meeting in March of 2021, and we've had meetings ever since. Not only have we had meetings with community leaders at the local, state, and federal level in both government and non-government agencies, we've involved community members, they've embraced us, and with the assistance of the Cleveland State University Police Department, the Cleveland State University Foundation, and leadership at Cleveland State University, along with Al Stasek, and my friend Jack Hall, we raised funding and were able to hire trainers who came in and taught interdiction and operations for law enforcement because I didn't want there to be more missed opportunities like there were for Courtney when those three officers didn't know how to interdict, didn't know what operations they could do didn't understand that they could have taken Courtney to the diversion center or that there were other options in which, although it didn't appear she was in crisis, clearly she was, but she hid that from the world. We did, um, the Eastlake Women's Club hosted an event last weekend in honor of Human Trafficking Awareness Month, and this month we're going to be talking about labor trafficking. We've talked about social media, exploitation, Um, Young individuals are losing their lives because of this victimization. Essentially, human trafficking is like a prison. The victims are either imprisoned by social media, in person, and sometimes there's forced criminality, and they are actually imprisoned in a jail cell. And I will tell you that that was the case for my daughter. She was imprisoned although none of the traffickers or buyers to date have had any charges against them for her victimization or for her death. So moving forward, I'm going to Cleveland State University and in pursuit of my PhD in urban studies because 
there's so much that needs to be done. And if I, as an educated mother and advocate with resources, who was able to understand and navigate the mental health arena, healthcare, law enforcement, the school system, the court regarding guardianship, and I still couldn't get people to believe me, how is someone who doesn't have anyone fighting for them going to be able to do that? And I mentioned in an interview I did last year after Courtney passed that I can't imagine what it would be like to be a victim and to not be believed. So I ask all of you to look beneath the surface and listen, truly listen, if you encounter someone. Because unless you really know an individual, you may not see the red flags. There may not be obvious signs. But I will tell you, once you look, you will see. And your eyes can't see what your brain doesn't know. So educate yourselves and learn what this, what human trafficking is and how to protect your children through social media, from gaming platforms, at the mall. It's not what you think it is. It's not somebody trying to kidnap your child. Not that that can't happen, but the most dangerous place for your children is with their cell phones in their bedrooms. And that's where traffickers and groomers and those wishing to hurt, harm, or exploit your children reside. Yes, that is really powerful. And I am so grateful that you shared all that you shared because we want this to be educational for parents. We want this to be preventative, to save other lives. And it's so important that we understand what work still needs to be done to help those who've been victimized by this crime. I want to thank you for taking time to share your journey as a mom. As painful as it was, you shared some great information today. And I personally am so proud of what you have done, how you have turned your pain into purpose. And you are really doing a great work in the fight against human trafficking. And I salute you through all this pain that you continue to do the great work that you're doing and I thank you for being a part of today's podcast. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Project Red Core Chronicles. Remember our tagline, no human trafficking, be aware and care. Thank you.